I'm going to start with verse 18 this morning, but the message will start with verse 19 and forward from there. So I have a question for you this morning. For most of us, who is our worst critic? Yeah, don't, don't point at your neighbor, don't point at your spouse. I don't need that this morning. <laughs> For most of us, our worst critic is right here. We are our worst critic. We are our worst enemy. Um, and I say most because I know that there are some who it's pretty hard to pat them on the back because their hands are in your way while they're patting themselves on the back. Um, But for most of us, our biggest critic is ourself. Um, Others see what they believe to be perfection in the things that we do, and whatever that is, and whatever you're doing, and whatever you're being so critical about, a lot of people look at that and they, they see perfection. They see the beauty in whatever it is you're doing or whatever you're performing. And we find that time and we get down deep and we find all the cracks and the, the splits and the, 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 the wrinkles and everything that we can find in whatever it is that we're doing. Um, and it's not even that we're perfectionists. You know, this standard that we apply upon ourselves technically doesn't apply to everybody else, just to ourselves. We're so critical of ourselves and who we are. I have a coworker that in his highs, he can do nothing right. I mean, you talk about Eeyore. He has an Eeyore complex. Um, If anything goes wrong, it was probably his fault. If something happened, it was probably caused because he did something. But in his eyes, he can absolutely do nothing right. And he's a hard worker, good guy, hard worker. Just he absolutely is his own worst enemy. Um, you know, when I, when I had these stained glass windows made, uh, that's been seven years ago. Whenever he came up here and, and he was putting in these windows, he told us that in one of these windows was a flaw. And you know, for seven years I spent looking at these stained glass windows trying to find the flaw. Seven years. Now, this gentleman, he saw the flaw right away. He knew where the flaw was. He knew what the problem was. And the other day, I was walking through here, and I came across the flaw. Seven years I stared at these windows. Seven years I went over them with a fine-tooth cone. Seven years I've been here with magnifying glass trying to find the flaw in those stained glass windows. And what we see is beauty. We see perfection. We see some of the most beautiful things that that I've ever seen. And yet he had to point out that there was a flaw in one of these stained glass windows. And he wouldn't tell us which one it was. And I'm not going to tell you what I found because it may not be what he saw. 
And I sure don't want there to be two flaws in all these windows. So, but seven years, and it was just a couple of days ago, I happened to cross a flaw. Seven years, and yet that man looked and he saw a flaw that nobody else can see. Unless you take seven years of your life and look for it, you will not see it. And you know, Tom knew it right away because he was his own worst critic. His own worst critic. You know, there are two extremes to this spectrum. Um, Those who feel that they never do it right and those who never do it wrong. Two extremes to the spectrum. And what we need is a healthy balance, somewhere in the middle. I know it's not perfect, but I also know that I did my best. I know that I poured myself out into it, and I did the best that I could do. And that makes it okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. And you know, we do the same thing with our walk with God. Some of us can never do enough. For some of us, we're harder on ourselves than God is on us. We are our own worst critics. We can never do anything right. And then others, they have this false sense of security because of some religious activity that they did in the past, and they think they're okay with God, and they have this false sense of security that there's nothing that they can do is wrong. And what we need is a healthy balance somewhere in the middle, somewhere between the two extremes. And today, John is going to try to help us with this balance. John chapter 3 and verse 19 Well, let's start with verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, Then have we confidence toward God, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him... And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he has given us. Accuse or excuse. Accuse or excuse. Every single person who is born is born with an internal law. The Bible teaches us that. 
that whether you're Christian or whether you're pagan, God has put his law within us. It was placed there by God. We call it a conscience. So when we do things that we know we shouldn't be doing, the law that is in us makes us feel guilty about the things that we are doing. It teaches us right from wrong. It will either accuse you or it will excuse you, depending on what you do with it, depending on what you do with the law that God has placed inside of you. Romans chapter 2 Verse 14 and 15 says, For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So listen, when, when a, a Christian, when a person becomes a Christian, that conscience becomes a warning light. It becomes a warning light for us to let us know when something is going wrong inside of us. How many of you drive, currently drive a vehicle with a check engine light on? Holy smokes! <laughs> I got one too. I'm driving her down the road with that. Uh, and I know the thing about my, my uh, check engine light is I know what's causing it. I just don't know what's causing what's causing it, if that makes any sense. And so I used to go and have the light taken off and then, you know, a, a few months or a week or somewhere down the road, that would happen again, the light would come back on, and there would be. So I've just been leaving it on. I've been driving around with that light on. So for those of you who are not currently driving around with a check engine light, how many of you have ever driven around with a check engine light on? Oh, yeah, that covers most of us right there. You know, I've bought cars with check engine lights on, and the light was still on when I sold it. And see, this is the thing. There are those people who, when that light pops up, they have got to find out what's wrong. They're going to go down to O'Reilly's and have it checked out. They're going to go down to their local mechanic and have it checked out. Or they're going to go out and buy one of those little readers that's going to tell them what the code says and what's going on inside of the bed. They can't stand that that light is on. Now, you see, this is the thing. If a Christian sins... And that check engine light comes on. That warning light comes on. There are those who make them fearful. It makes them depressed. It makes them insecure about their walk with God. And they're going to try to figure out what it is, and they're going to try to take care of this problem right away. Psalms 38, 1 through 8. Listen to this. This is what a guilty conscience will do to your body. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Your arrows have pierced me and your hand has come down upon me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. 
My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of the heart. There are people who deal with sin in their life, and that's what it does to them. It takes away all the joy of their salvation. It brings them to the point that their body begins to hurt. Their body begins to ache. God, I hurt because of the sin in my life. And some of them will even question whether they're really saved or not. They will begin to doubt their relationship with God. Others will just ignore the warning. Others will ignore their conscience until their conscience becomes hardened or seared. We feel the guilt and we have learned to ignore that feeling. When I climb in that vehicle, I don't even notice that little red engine light that popped up on my dash when I started up. One time I had one that was so bad, I put a piece of paper over it so I didn't have to look at it. Whatever I had to do just so I didn't have to stare at that warning light that was telling me something was wrong with my vehicle. It was running down the road. Everything was fine. The problem with that is, is what happens when that light begins to blink? When that light begins to blink, it's telling you it's damaging the engine. And when we cover that up and we don't deal with it and we don't take care of it and we ignore it, when that light begins to leak, we don't even notice it and it is doing damage to our engine. It's the same thing with our walk with God. When our conscience begins to blink and it begins to go off and we have, have chose to ignore our conscience and not do those things that we know we should do, we're doing damage to our relationship with God. You see, one of the greatest gifts of salvation is a cleansed conscience. One of the greatest gifts that we receive when we become children of God is that our conscience is cleansed. Hebrew chapter 10, verse 19 through 22 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most highly place, the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And Hebrews 9.14 says... How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that would lead to death so that we may serve the living God? You see, John has given us that information. He's given us the information over the past couple of weeks 
to properly evaluate our standing with God, to make sure that we are truly right with God, to make sure that we have a right relationship with Him. He says that in verse 19 when he says, Hereby we know. He says, listen, I have told you what to look for. I have told you what you need to see in your life to know for sure that your relationship with God is right. This means that this this phrase, hereby we know, it means that we realize or we find out that we are right. We realize that we are truly God's child based upon our existing reality based upon the things that we have done. Hereby, or some translations say by this, which refers back to the previous teachings that John has been on over the past few weeks. Number one, that we're obeying Scripture. And number two, that we're loving our brethren. That's the two things that John has been on hardcore for the past few weeks obeying scripture living a christian life and loving our brethren he says if you have a problem with either one of those you might want to check your relationship with god we realize that we are truly god's child based upon those realities and then he says by those things we know that we are of the truth Or the literal translation is this, out of the truth we exist. Because of these things in our lives, we are Christians. Because we are living the the life of faith, and because we are loving our brethren, we are of the faith. And you see, only those who have truly been converted or have been born of God, they don't go on sinning, as we've seen in verse 9. And they possess a sacrificial love for their brethren, as we saw in verse 16. And the truth, the truth here is the written word of God. We are in the scripture. If we are living like Christians and we sacrificially are loving our brethren, it will assure our hearts that we belong to him. It should give us a confidence, assure our heart, assure. It means we will be persuaded. And this is an interesting, it could also be translated tranquilize. In the presence of an awesome, intimidating, all-powerful, absolute holy God, we can have a calm and tranquil confident heart because of our relationship with him i have heard people say well when i stand before god yeah yeah tell me what you're gonna do when you stand before god because from what i've seen throughout scripture anytime man comes into the presence of the almighty It's not one of boldness. It's not one of pride. It's not one of arrogance. Some of the greatest men of the Bible hid their faces. 
They felt great fear. They fell down at the feet of Jesus. Some says that they fell down as if they were dead. You're not going to stand before God and tell him anything. When you're in the presence of, of God Almighty, you are going to be on your face. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. And you see, those who have been justified by faith with evidence of a Christian faith and sacrificial love for the brethren are at peace with God. There is peace. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we have peace with God, then we, have, then we enjoy the peace of God. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But nevertheless, some of us deal with unnecessary guilt. We deal with unnecessary guilt because something in our past or something that we've done that we just feel, we just can't forgive ourselves for those things. And we deal with this unnecessary guilt in our life. And you see, those Christians who walk the closest to God feel that they are the worst of the sinners. They feel like they're the worst of the sinners. They feel like every sermon is about them. Every single sermon is about them. Can I tell you something? Don't listen to your heart. All that saying, oh, just listen to your heart. Just do what your heart tells you to do. Your heart is evil and it is deceptive. It will tell you to be guilty, to feel guilty about things that you should no longer feel guilty about. I had a conversation with a homosexual one time, and he told me, he said, I'm okay with God. I said, listen, you can't be okay with God and live the lifestyle that you're living. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you, but you can't have a right relationship and continue in that sin. And he told me, he said, my heart tells me that I'm right with God. And I said, listen, I love you with all of my heart. But your heart will lie to you. Your heart will deceive you. And it will also lie to Christians. It will tell them that they are not right with God. It will tell them that they should feel guilty. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. And who really knows how bad it is? Do not trust your heart. But God has declared that believers are righteous. Righteous in Christ. And listen, if God who knows the heart declares you right before him, then you are right. If God says you are right, then you are right. 
Stop listening to the enemy who is trying to destroy you, who is trying to bring you down, who is trying to give you lies in your life. Stop listening to him. Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No more condemnation. Stop bringing up your past. Stop worrying about the things you did in your past life. You are no longer that person. You are no longer a slave to sin. Stop letting the enemy destroy you and bring you down and lie to you. Don't let the enemy steal your peace. Don't let him take your joy. Don't let him take that confidence that you have in God. Don't let that happen. Look at verse 21 again. Beloved, if your heart condemn us not, then have, a, have we confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Confidence towards God. You see, this word translated confidence means boldness or it means freedom of speech. It gives the idea of someone who has the freedom to speak openly to somebody of great power to a king or to a queen or to the president. They have this freedom to be able to speak openly. And in this case, Jehovah God. We have that freedom to come to him and to speak openly to him. We pray in confidence, believing that he will answer those prayers. Why? Because we are right with God. We have a right relationship with God. And we know that we will only ask what it is that is God's will because we have that right relationship with him. And if we pray amiss or if we pray out a line, then we ask God's will to override our prayers. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Like a child asking his daddy for something that he knows his father wants him to have. That's how we approach Father God. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. And John says, because we keep his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing to him. And we don't do those things so that he will answer our prayers. He answers our prayers because we do those things, if that makes sense. We don't do to get we do those things, and then one of the side effects and one of the blessings of that is that God answers our prayers. It is a natural consequence of a right relationship with God. John chapter 15, verse 7 through 10 says this, 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And I love verse 11. Listen to what it says. These things I have spoken to you so that that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. That your joy may be made full. And verse 23 says, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, and as he gave us commandment. And so just so that there's no question, John wants to make sure one more time that we understand how this works. Because we keep his commandments, because we live a a life of faith, because we live a Christian life, This is the commandment, that we love his son, Jesus Christ. This is foundational. This is the base. This is what everything is based upon. It is faith with continuing obedience. Love God and love your brethren. Everything else will fall under those umbrellas. If you do those things right, everything else will fall under those And the word translated love here is that a word agapeo that we hear all the time, the sacrificial love. And John chapter 24, 1 John chapter 24, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 24. And he that keepeth his commandment dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he has given us. John chapter 3 and verse 8. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You see, by the Spirit that God gave us, by the Spirit the dead souls are made alive. He gave sight to our blind eyes. He causes our sinful hearts to repent. The Holy Spirit drew them into faith with Jesus. He gifted them for the ministry in the church. He makes scriptures come alive. He energizes our prayers. He intercedes for us. He leads us. He guides us. He assures us that we are Christians. That's what the Holy Spirit is about. That's what each and every believer has within them is the Holy Spirit to give them power to live that Christian life. You see, salvation is not a one-time event, but it is a way of life. It is how you live. Love God. Love his holy scripture. You have boldness in prayer. You submit to his commands. You have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are thankful for the Holy Spirit's involvement in our lives. And you love one another. That, my friend, is who we are. Would you stand to your feet?
And where is John going to take us next week? Thank you all for coming out this morning. And I just feel God crying out to us. And over and over and over again, he has told us, make sure. He's given us litmus test after litmus test to make sure that our walk with God is pure, that our walk with God is sure, and that we're not walking around with this false security. But also John doesn't walking, one is walking around with this guilt that we shouldn't have. If God has declared you righteous, stop bringing yourself down. Stop being your worst critic. If you have sin in your life, deal with it. If you've dealt with it, then leave it alone. Father, we thank you for this day. What a wonderful message. What an encouraging word for us this morning, God. And God, I thank you for the past month. God, I thank you that you have come out and, and God, you have poured out upon your church. You have given us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to check ourselves, to stand before the mirror of your scripture, to make sure that our walk is true. And God, none of us can stand before you on that day and say, I did not know. I did not understand because God, you have made it clear over and over and over again. And God, I thank you for that. And God, as we come to the conclusion of chapter 3, God, and you have told us to be sure, to make sure, to double check, to check and check, and God, we have those warning lights going off in our lives. God, because we come to the end of this chapter, God, I want to I give an opportunity this morning. God, quicken the hearts of those, Father, that are struggling. God, quicken the hearts of those who may not have a relationship with you this morning. And God, I want to give them an opportunity this morning to receive that peace that comes with salvation, that cleared conscience. God, they've, they've struggled long enough. They've fought long enough. God, they have, they have dealt with that, those inner demons long enough, Father. And today I want to give them an opportunity. You may have, have been attending here for a long time. You may, uh, I don't know. Only you know where your walk is with God this morning. And I just want to give you an opportunity. If, if you need to ex ask God into your heart this morning, if you need to rededicate your heart this morning, I just want to ask you to lift your hand up this morning and we're going to pray with you. Anyone at all. I see that hand. Anyone at all? Anyone else? Anyone else? God's been dealing with your heart over these past few weeks. He's been dealing with your heart. Anyone else? I see that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else? Come on, church. God's dealing with hearts this morning. Anyone else? I see that hand. All right. I see that hand. All right, I see that hand all over the church. All right, I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? I don't want to stop too quick. 
God is moving this morning. Anyone else? All right, I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Father, you saw those hands. God, how beautiful is the heart that recognizes you as King of kings and Lord of lords. And God, I know these people. God, I know their life. I know their love for you. But God, their heart's desire is to serve you for all that they're worth. God, to pour their lives out into this relationship. God, because this is all we've got. God, we're not promised another breath. We're not promised another day. But God, you have given us peace. You have given us hope. And God, I pray for the hearts of those who raise their hands today. God, they recognize something inside of them, God, that needs to change. And God, you are just that type of merciful God. And God, I pray for peace in their heart. I pray you take away the guilt of past sins. And God, you give them the strength to live a life pleasing to you. God, that you take the sins out of their life. God, you repulse them. God, when they they even think about doing something, God, that they know they're not supposed to be doing. God, I pray they keep their eyes pure. I pray that their thoughts are pure. God, I pray that they walk according to your will, Father. God, pour your blessings out upon them today. God, I pray that they walk out of here today with a confidence that they've never felt before in their life. God, they walk out of here knowing that they know, that they know, that they know that they're right with you. And God, their conscience is clear today. Thank you, God, for every hand that raised this morning, for every person that that had the guts to raise their hands and say, I need help this morning. Bless them, God. Strengthen them, God. Help them to realize and to understand and to feel that warning as it comes upon them. God, we love you. We love you, God, with all of our being. And God, I thank you for a church that loves one another. God, I have no doubt that this is a loving body, that this is a loving family. God, I see it every Sunday. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for allowing me to be the pastor of a wonderful body. God, I am so humbled to stand up here in front of these beautiful people I'm so undeserving but God thank you now fathers we come to the conclusion of this service God we walk with a new step today we walk with a new boldness we walk with a new confidence in you and I pray that those around us see that that those around us see that peace that we have, and God, it draws them to you. And I ask all of these things in Jesus' very precious name.
Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming this morning.